Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, the podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship here in St. Charles. I'm Jimmy Fowler, elder candidate at Redeemer Fellowship. What you doing, man? Nothing. Just uh, getting some stuff done, getting some work done. Cool. Excited to finally, you know, be able to have the team all back together for... um, an extended period of time. Now yep. that you're not going it, dude. Okay, I, every time I forget, <laughs> dude. nobody can hear it. Probably Just no, leave it alone. no. You know what? Stop it. You call me out every time because you're playing on no. your phone. It's a totally different thing. I'm not playing. I'm you're responding. Playing. You're playing. If you're on Facebook, that's playing. Well, it's not. Fa- well, there's okay, only one book you need to be serious about, and it ain't Facebook. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's called Experience the Trinity, and you can buy oh, it okay. now you're on so Amazon. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I'm excited to have the team back together that uh, uh, for an extended time where we get to get together, hang out, pray with each other, encourage one another, challenge each other, because uh, it's kind of felt, it's felt a little, you know, it's felt weird, wouldn't you say? Uh, well, not for me, because I haven't been around. Oh, you're telling me you didn't miss Pat and I while you were gone. Yeah, I did, terribly. Okay, it, so it felt, it must have felt weird, because you didn't, nah, you didn't I was, have, I was in New Zealand, it was awesome. No, but you didn't have. I was what, eating kebabs and you don't. You didn't. Doing all ha- kinds you don't have. You didn't have what you get here. Uh, I had pretty good fellowship. It was pretty great. Got to hang out with James White, Doctor Jim Renahan, Doctors White and Renahan. Okay, but it, what's not the same though? No, no, because because um, we're better. You guys are cooler. Okay, funner. Yep, I'm closer to you guys, mm-hmm. but you guys are like. Way dumber than them. Mm. Like they are super smart, and you guys. I, I concede that. I you guys are pretty point. Canadian. Let me just put it that way, compared to them. So um, I am not even gonna. I'm glad to be justified. Back. I'm, I'm just not, saying, no, like, I'm not even gonna acknowledge that. Just stop it. Not as smart. That's all I'm saying. Stop. 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 So uh, yeah, I'm glad to be back, man. It's uh, it's it does feel good. Um, I missed I miss being here, and even when I'm around great churches mm-hmm. and I'm around great people, it just makes me miss my church family all the more. So yeah, and it's nice. I'm not uh, I'm not traveling or anything until like middle of next year. Pretty sure, maybe. Yeah, I ain't going anywhere. Uh, do you know your 2017 schedule yet? Yeah. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. You do not know your yeah, 2017. I do. I'm schedule. doing. Um, you right. don't know. I'm talking about your whole schedule. Do you know everything that's going on for yourself in 2017? As far as your speaking. conference, your speaking, yeah. your family, yeah. your obligations here, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Well, obligations here are still in development, but yeah. No, they're pretty. They're pretty regular. Are you no. kidding me? Everything's on the calendar. Yeah, but we've already established. You okay, look this, at nobody cares about this. Like, we're going to talk about evangelism. Let's do that. Oh, you don't want to talk about this anymore? No, nobody wants to... to hear this. Nobody wants to hear like that. You... Joe doesn't know. I know. I got. I know it's in my phone. I just look, and there it is. Boom. That's how I know. You don't know. I don't listen. I only got so much room in my brain for awesomeness and knowledge. Why would I put the calendar in there? Just keep it on my phone. That way, you don't miss out on anything. No, I can't get alerts. I'm not missing out. Remember that one time you got an alert that you're supposed to be somewhere the weekend of, and you couldn't. You no, you already told this story. Nobody wants to hear you tell the same stories. You're turning into an old man. I'm turning into a Joe Thorne author. All right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. If Piper can do it, I can do it. <laughs> Worse, but I can, I can write the same book over and over again. Right. So what are we talking about today? Well, like I said, we're going to talk about evangelism. And the reason we're going to talk about evangelism is because, A, we love it, B, because people want us to talk about it, mm-hmm. and C, because um, Dr. James White and I sat down when we were in New Zealand, and we recorded 
uh, an interview about apologetics and evangelism. And that's going to drop Thursday. That's right. So you can, you can hear us talk about this in general, in our way, and then Thursday... James White is going to be on the pod and, and fixing everything we said. It's going to, yeah, he did that a lot at uh, the comedy. He would, he would like fixing, me, correcting correct me in public in front of everybody. What's going to be great though, is he's going to be, uh, he's going to be correcting before we even said it. That's what, yeah, that's how good he is. That's how good he is. He's, he anticipated yeah. a couple weeks ago, our mistakes yeah, on this. Those two this dummies, they, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I, I, I know what they're going to say. And then he'll get right in there. So in case, Thanks, Dr. White. in case you don't know um, who Dr. White is, uh, he is the director of Alpha and Omega Ministries, aomin.org. He's all over YouTube. He's got tons of radio and videos mm-hmm. out. He's a Christian apologist. Uh, Alpha and Omega Ministries is this organization, this apologetics ministry. He's a professor. He teaches Greek and systematic theology and apologetics. And He's got a podcast, right? I don't know if it's a podcast. A it's a radio, radio kind of a thing. It? It's an online it's called the dividing yeah, James, line. In case you James, don't know. James, James is getting a little long in the tooth. You know what I mean? No. Uh, do you know what that expression means? Uh, old. Yes, that's exactly what it okay. means. He's getting a little old, and I don't think I don't think he uh, is up on the lingo of the podcast. Let's see if he corrects me on that one. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it's a podcast. I think it is uh, an online radio show, or maybe it's just on radio. I always listen to it online if I'm listening to it. I get the videos because it's all like... Yeah, it's him it's like there. with his computer and a microphone, right. right? Like in the camera right there. So it's called The Dividing Line. Yeah, The Dividing Line. You definitely want to listen to that. And he's, the dude's written like tons of books. He's written like on the King James controversy. Yeah, King James only controversy, the Forgotten Trinity, uh, the Potter's Freedom, uh, and the God Who Justifies. He's also, though, an accomplished debater. Right, right. So he's written, and those are just, I think he's written like 20 bucks. So, um, but yeah. Yeah, those are the good ones. I don't yeah, the good like, ones. You know, um, yeah, the dude debates, and the, there's some really bad apologists and debaters out there yeah. on, on both sides. And so, I mean, he's just, he's, like, I'm only he's, gonna, a, he's a master at it. I'm only going to name a couple of the real bad ones, okay? No, don't, don't. What? I don't, can't. No, okay. don't name that. No. Why? Why? What's, what, serve, what purpose does that serve to name the bad ones? Because then people will know that those those bad ones aren't worth checking out, and they'll check out James. All right, go ahead. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I, was, I called your bluff. I knew you wouldn't. I ain't going to do that. So James, um, or, or Dr. J. Dr. Dr. J. J. Is that what he likes to call no, himself? No, no, he just goes by James. Okay. Um, yeah, he debates like, he doesn't debate everything, and I made that mistake. I thought, you probably just like, you're, you deal with all kinds. And he goes, no, nah, not really. I deal with Roman Catholicism, Islam, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormonism. He doesn't get into like, you know, uh, Hinduism and all that oh, okay. stuff. He doesn't okay. waste his time. Not waste his time, but he doesn't, he, that, he just doesn't get into that. Well, and, probably also, you can only, like, if, for lack of a better word, specialize in so many areas. It's, it's hard to go deep into everything. Right. You know, and so, but looking at that, that list you just said. Right. I mean, he's pretty deep in a lot of a lot of main ones, right? Yeah, and he, um, you know, he <laughs> James, James debates. This is the thing. You guys should definitely check out the videos on YouTube where James is debating. He uploads them all. You can check it out, and it's like a seminary class when you sit through those because you know James is interacting with uh, you know somebody from a different faith, yeah. a persuasion, or a heretic, you know, associated with the Christian church. And he is, he's going through history, scripture, mm-hmm. Greek. Uh, it's, it's educational, and they're usually even fun. Um, and debates are, are healthy. We should have more of those, I think, in-house. 
So check those out. And one of the things that James said uh, when we were at this conference in New Zealand and what we talked about on the podcast a little bit was how evangelism and apologetics are very, very tightly bound together. Mm-hmm. Um, at least they, they're supposed to be. Um, they are inherently united uh, there are some differences, of course, but they, they really belong together. And we've made the mistake, James said, of separating them out. So, you know, you've got your evangelism over here and then way over there is apologetics. Yeah. And he says that's the problem because apologetics really serves no purpose if we aren't bringing people to the gospel. That's right. Otherwise, it's just being confrontational. It's being confrontational or it, it's being, you know, you're correcting, but it's, you're only bringing them so far. Like James is not interested in people moving from atheism to theism. Mm. He wants them to become Christians who know the triune God. Yeah. He, he told me, he's like, becoming a theist is not a win. Like you, deist, theist, atheist, whatever. Uh, I want people to know Jesus and, you know, the power of his resurrection. So evangelism is tightly close, uh, connected to that. And we thought, well, why don't we talk about evangelism here? Yeah. So how would you define evangelism? Why don't you define evangelism? You want me to? Yeah. Well, right. See, when you repeat the question... You know, I'm, you, t- I'm you, thinking you in my head okay, because well, I asked you the question, and so now you throw it back in my face. That's fine. Right in the face. Right in the face, right there. And you're asking me, what is evangelism? Yeah. Uh, I would say the simplest, broadest definition is sharing the good news of the life, death, and resurrection of Christ with your neighbors. Okay. So there's a big problem with what you just said. Oh, gosh. Here we go. Big problem. Go ahead. Dr. Jim Renahan, when, oh, we, were, when okay. we were when we were at the conference. <laughs> I'm going I'm uh, to so change No, no, no. no. <laughs> Too late now. Son, you, you've already you done it. You've done it now. Hey, hey, Ron. Uh, Dr. Jim Renahan uh, almost flew into an, an apoplectic fit uh, over the use of the word share as it relates to evangelism. He's like, you don't share the gospel, you declare the gospel, you, you proclaim, proclaim it. it, you herald it. You don't share sharing it. Uh, eh, you know, I don't think it's that big of a deal, but boy, it was pretty funny and you blew it. So, uh, uh you know, and I next year by... you're going to be hanging out with him. So uh, this, well, you better I, fix you know it. what? No, in November of 2017, yeah. I will correct him. in oh, love. That, I look forward to that. I will correct him. in love. I think your definition is good, right? You know, you're sharing, communicating, preaching, heralding, whatever the gospel of Jesus Christ right. with unbelievers really with the aim, right? The heart, the desire that they would trust in Christ themselves. Right. And, uh, yeah, I don't know why we would need a, a better definition than that. We could probably make it more and more specific and elaborate yeah. and, and draw it all out uh, and, and include like means and things like yeah. that. But yeah, we preach Christ crucified with the hope that people will believe in him. And it seems like a pretty simple thing. You just tell people about Jesus, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know how simple, you know, it, it is. I mean, at one level, I guess it is. You're just, you're just, I guess, I don't know. Maybe I'm just now be feeling convicted because I feel like it should be easier and I and I'm thinking of through my own hesitations and my right. own my own struggles uh, in in evangelizing. There's a difference though between simple and easy. Fair enough, right? Um, and so I think that's the the so I think broader, it's simple. Well, I think the broader question here though is who's responsible to evangelize because we think that it's not simple or we think it's not easy. And I think underlying that is this thought that it's not my responsibility, right? It is our elders, pastors, leaders, those that have been, quote unquote, studied right. in this. Yeah, they've got, I mean, you, you look at a guy like Dr. White and, you know, he's been studying for decades and mm-hmm. he's teaching and he's well equipped, uh, called by God to be a vocational, like professional 
uh, apologist, apologist slash evangelist. And so when we look at him and we look at us, we go like, well, I can't do what he I does. Can't, yeah, yeah. And I can't. I cannot do what he does. But we all can testify to the resurrected Christ. And yeah. And, I, and the I, impact that that's had on our own lives, our own right. testimony, right? Our own story to share. I in think the, in the, the what, what do they call, what do they say that? They talk about micro stories and the meta narrative, the meta narrative of, yeah, of pe- God. People on the street love it when you do that. Use the word meta narrative. Let me tell you about the meta narrative. Yeah. Then they roll their eyes. Like, oh, whatever. Um, <laughs> Come on. You tell me it's not good. No, it's good. So, um, so who's <laughs> risen? Well, no, I'm, you say it as you roll your eyes. No, no, it's, I'm, just, no I'm just saying like, you kind of said it like in a dismissive manner. When, yeah, when, when people talk like that in-house, it's fine. But when people talk like that with people outside of the church or outside of philosophy and it's, they're like, what? what are you yeah, yeah, what are we talking here? about here? And, and we'll, we'll talk about how to evangelize later on. But when you ask the question who's responsible to evangelize, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to say everybody's responsible yeah. to evangelize. That doesn't mean that everybody is responsible to share the gospel, oops, to declare the gospel in the same way. <laughs> Or to the same degree, yeah. or with the same frequency yeah. as another person, but definitely we are all called to bear witness, yeah. to confess Christ before people, to have an answer ready to to give to those who, who question us. I, I think that the the majority of Scripture uh, presses upon the whole church, not mm-hmm. just leaders in the church, to tell the world about Christ. I think it's the church formally that is called to do that. But all of us, as members of the church, bear that responsibility and are going to do that in different ways. Are you talking about like the commission that was given uh, by Christ? What, what, what commission is that? Oh, here you go. Uh, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen and twenty. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Boom, boom, right there. So yeah, I mean he he's 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 giving this, you know. I mean, some people want to say he's just giving it to the apostles. Mm-hmm. I don't buy that. They're, really, um, dude. Okay, so my my thing went off on my phone. Come on, we're having a, a, I'm not a really serious conversation right now. All right, it's off. So uh, I don't think he's giving that to the apostles exclusively. Yeah. I think he, he's giving it to you know his disciples. He's giving it to the church. I think he I think this is the mission of the church as a whole, and so I think we all have that role to play. You know, and some people are going to be very relational. They're going to build relationships. They're going to share the gospel. Other people are just bold and confrontational, not in a bad way, yeah. but they're bold and confrontational, and they'll just get out there and start talking to people that they've never met before about Jesus. One of our church planters, Tom, yep. uh, is like that. Well, yeah, all of our church planters are kind of like that, but Tom is just one of those guys. Uh, he will walk right up to somebody and be like, hey, what's going on? My name's Tom. I'm a church planter. I'm a pastor here in town. You know, what's up? And he starts talking to him about Jesus. Yeah. Uh, other people aren't as as comfortable to do that, but they look for opportunities wherever they can find them. And other people, they wait. They really wait for God to provide a clear opportunity. They're just, they're, maybe they're just not wired to be aggre- as aggressive as yeah. others. So just waiting for something to present itself and then moving into that. Yeah, you got to step forward still. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I, I appreciate just uh, about my wife is uh, with with our neighbors and with other uh, uh, wives from the neighborhood or, or from school, um, she just sits back and she loves them and she cares for them. She hangs out with them. She's, you know, texting back and forth. And then all of a sudden an, oppos- an opportunity presents itself and she goes in. Mm. You know, she goes in and she, she shares the hope that we have in Christ. Even yesterday, she you know, with this whole election going on. Right, right. And the results, there was... Uh, one family that was that was dealing with it uh, 
pretty hard. And, you know, they're texting and they're texting and there's group chat and Michelle just begins sharing the gospel and the hope yeah, that we cool. have in Christ. And one lady's like, wow, Michelle, I never thought of it. Like, I haven't thought of it like that. And another one's like, you know, I, so I appreciate about you, Michelle, there are all these things. And so, you know, she moves forward in that. And even last night, uh, while you and I were together doing some things, you know, she texts me. She's like, I'm, I'm just going to hang out over at her house and just be with her and talk with her. And yeah, that's cool. The kids, you know? So you, you don't have to be this aggressive. That's it. Like, and there's nothing. Some people are that way. But you don't have to be that way. Yeah. You just wait for those opportunities. God does. Give, you just got to keep your eyes open. Mm-hmm. And then the hard part there is stepping in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's simple. It's not complicated, but it isn't easy because it's uncomfortable. Because I mean, you're putting yourself out there. Yeah. Let's, I mean, that's one of the reasons we don't do it, right? Let's yeah. talk about that. Why? Don't we do evangelism? Because, you know, the statistics show that most Christians do not share their faith. They do not share the gospel with others. Why don't we do it? I think one is just out of fear, out of fear of what are they going to, how are they going to react and what are they going to think of me? Are they going to think of me any less? Are they going to, are they going to think I'm I'm dumb? Are they going to maybe somehow bring up a disagreement like some, you know, like some quote unquote proof that what I believe in is, is dumb. And so there's this fear of like, I, I don't know how they're going to respond or how they're going to react or, or what our relationship is going to be like after this. And I also think there's a fear of not wanting to be viewed as some of those crazy Christians. Right. Because there are bad examples yes. that tend to stand out. Bad examples always stand out. Yeah. And yeah. You're like, oh, and unfortunately, not- that's what everyone sees when they think of uh, Christianity, especially I think for those that um, uh, are not Christians. Because what they see is what they see on TV. Right. Right? Or they, or they have that one relative who was, or that one friend that got converted and they were just crazy, cage stage, right? Cage stage, just, And that's you know. all they know, like, oh, so you guys are like that. And it's like, well, some of us start out that way. Yeah, and then, <laughs> but, and then we mature and grow up and right. get over it. So I think that, um, you know, when people find out that we are Christians or that we're, you know, pastors or whatever, um, one of the questions they ask me is, oh, really, what kind? Mm. What, what, what kind of what kind? And I go, oh, you know, Protestant. And they're like, so, but like, but like, yeah, but what denomination? Like, well, you know, we're part of a network called X twenty. You know, like Baptist or anything. I said, yep, we're Baptist. Actually, we're Southern Baptist. And the look on their yep. face up here in Chicago land when you tell them you're Southern, they're like, whoa. So, but you don't look Southern Baptist. Yeah. Like, what is that? And I like, well, I don't. I mean, I, I think we look. What do you mean? <laughs> and we get to then dispel the false ideas about mm-hmm. it it's like i'm not afraid of it i love telling people that we're baptists because they go really go, yeah you don't know what baptists are people are all confused here's what it really means yeah and it's the same with christians you don't we don't have to be afraid of that yeah i just had that southern baptist thing happen to me oh really yes just the other day um all of a sudden one of my kids runs into the house because we let our kids run around and i for those that don't know uh the house that i live in now is the house i grew up in so i grew up in that neighborhood and people have known my family and, and have experienced the Fowlers. Right. The, the, the neighbors, the, the police, probably the fire department, I'm guessing. So, I, so, <laughs> one of my, so one of my kids comes in. He's like, Daddy, Daddy, uh, this lady wants to talk to you. Uh, it's your friend's mom. I'm like, my friend's mom? <laughs> <laughs> and so you know, I come outside, and, and it's this, uh, this neighbor lady from down the road behind us. And... Uh, um, and so I, she was, she's a, a mother of a friend of mine from middle school. Uh, and her daughter also dated one of my friends in high school and, and all these kind of things. So uh, 
And so I guess she saw these little kids running around, and she's like, oh, what do you guys, they're, we, and they're in the woods, you know? She's like, what are you guys doing out here by yourselves, you know? And we're fine with it, don't matter, they're good. And uh, uh, they go, oh, you know, we live right over there, and they point to my house. I go, no, oh, that's the Fowler's house. He goes, no, that's my name. <laughs> and so, you know, she came over, and so she was, you know, talking to us, and uh, she goes, yeah, what do you do? And I go, well, yeah, I work at a church here at Redeemer Fell. She was like, wait, you're a you're a pastor now? <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I know that there's been some, maybe some thoughts of us in the past. She's like, yeah, yeah, but like you're a pastor, you know? And I go, yeah. Um, she's well, that's good. She's like, what kind of church is it? I go, well, it's a, you know, I mean, it's, I, it's Protestant. Yeah. <laughs> I start there. And she's like, oh, it's like Baptist? And that, and that whole thing. She's like, Southern Baptist. She's like, isn't that pretty conservative and all that? And Michelle pipes it. She's like, yeah, they have beards, tattoos. They smoke cigars and they drink bourbon. They're fine. And so she was like, oh, that's really good. And she wanted to talk a bit more about it. And so, yeah, it was just that weird sense of like, I've never experienced that before. Yeah. Uh, this week. It happens a lot up here, man. So, so we're afraid, right, of mm-hmm. what people are going to think. I think one of the reasons we don't do it is because we're afraid we're going to lose the relationship. That was mm-hmm. one of my fears uh, over the years is that, well, I have a relationship with this person, but if I, if I step into the gospel now, what if they walk away and they don't want to be my friend anymore? You know, and I kind of rationalize it in my head by saying, well, if, if I share that, if I, if I, if I bust up the relationship, then I won't have a chance to minister to them. That's right. But if I don't share the gospel and risk the relationship, they can't get saved anyways. Exactly. So I think, yeah, we're afraid of losing. I think some people are, are lazy, selfish, yeah, selfish, I, right? Because to all of us. And I, yeah, and I think that's sometimes where I land is, you know, this is my time right now. I don't want to get into this right now. You know, I just want to, I'm just trying to relax and, and enjoy the moment. Um, so, yeah, that's, I definitely feel that where Michelle, you know, she's motivated by this love for them. Right. She's motivated by, wait a second, I want you to know the hope that, that I have in Christ. Where me, I'm like, I hope I can just chill right now. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> Your hope is chilling. My hope is in chilling. And, um, so yeah, I mean it's it's definitely I think a laziness. Again, my neighbors, you know, because we do try to get together often. And I got one neighbor that this guy is not a believer, but if he was, this man's the most hospitable, kind man I know. Uh, how about this? He's Rob. He's Rob Warford. Okay, that's uh, that's one of our elder candidates on steroids. Yeah, like as far as that hospitality, heart, love. And so we, we would all get together. We have all these neighbors, and there's, there's 40 of us there. We're meeting some new neighbors that just moved in. And, uh, and so he's walking me around, and he's like, hey, guys, yeah, you know, this is Jim. Uh, he works at a church here in town, great church, wonderful church. Uh, Jim, tell us about your church. And I'm like sitting there going, what the heck? You know, <laughs> you know he's like, yeah, Jim, go ahead and tell us about the church. Tell us, tell us about, like, God. Tell us. What is it that, that, you know, you love God? Why do you love God? And I'm like, come on, man. Like, I'm just there trying to drink a beer. And he's, you know, trying to help me present the gospel to all these people. And so we've had good conversations. But at that moment, I'm just lazy. I just want to yeah. relax. I think there's a, I think there, on the sin side, I think we're, we're selfish. We're lazy. Mm-hmm. We, we use the excuse that we're tired. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I think one of the main reasons we don't evangelize is because we aren't really gripped with the glory of God yes. and the gospel. Yeah. I think when I'm really gripped by it, I have to tell people. That's right. I want to tell people. Which is why when we first became Christians, yeah. 
we shared it a lot more, right? Yeah, all the time. Not very eloquently, oftentimes with curse words. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just because you've got to do it. And so that's something that I think, you know, is important. And we're going we're gonna to talk about um, a theology in an upcoming episode. Yeah. And we'll talk about the relevance of theology. And this is one of the relevances is that it really does impassion and embolden Christians uh, to testify uh, to the gospel. So what about... Uh, and I said, I think you're right that the most well, that is one of the more important reasons why. Uh, but what about church leadership that has not done a good job at cre- uh, creating a culture of that? Yeah, that you know, Ed, when we interviewed Ed Stetzer, he talked about that, right? Yeah. Creating a culture of evangelism in your church, and he talked about uh, Calvary chapels, mm. how their churches have have a culture of evangelism. And, you know, these are, they're not Reformed churches, they're, mm. uh, but they're preaching through books of the Bible, and they're, um, but man, they are serious about evangelism, and it's, I, I think it starts with leadership, generally, yeah. and then it's... Not just modeling it, right? Not, not just leadership themselves doing it, but what else? Well, they gotta, they, they've got to teach it, they've, yeah. they've got to provide you know, training for it. Uh, I think that there are, you know, some people would say, well, I, I haven't been trained and I, and I, I haven't taken a class. You don't have to have a class. No. Now, that's helpful. Yeah. That's really helpful. But you should be equipped by your church, at least through the pulpit ministry, so that you can tell people the truth very plainly, very clearly, but very earnestly that Jesus loves sinners and saves sinners. And even when you have, um, you know, classes and you're, you're teaching your people, uh, you know, some people believe that your theology itself can hinder evangelism, right? They, specifically. Yeah, so specifically Reformed or Calvinistic thinking, right? right. Um, and so some would say, and I've heard that argument, that as, as an Arminian, you know, I have more of a desire to evangelize because I, I'm trying to proclaim it. You guys are just the frozen chosen. Right, right. But uh, so does Calvinism kill evangelism? That is a question for us. So historically... Right. Would you say no? No, of course not. Because, you know, the greatest, uh, many of the great, Mm. greatest evangelists and missionaries uh, were five point thoroughgoing Calvinists. They were reformed. They they were not uh, shy about it. They were very, uh, you know, serious about it. So, yeah, it's um, it's it's not. You look at guys like, um, you know, William Carey or Charles Spurgeon. Uh, You can look back to. Um, you know, Jonathan Edwards and, mm-hmm. and George Whitfield, uh, guys that were instrumental in the Great Awakening. Uh, you know, Asa Hell Nettleton during the Second Great Awakening, uh, all these things. And you can even go back to, to Calvin. I mean, you know, this is where people really, you know, tend to think of Reformed theology coming from. And it really doesn't come from him, but it was systematized and I think more clearly articulated in him. Uh, and they would say, like, well, Calvin, you know, wasn't much of a of an evangelist. Yeah. You know, his his brand of theology uh, really hinders it and hindered it for him. But it's actually not true. For example, um, there's there's an article uh, by John Stark on the Gospel Coalition. This was written a few years ago mm-hmm. in uh, 2012. And you know, Calvin through his ministry in Geneva, uh, clearly, Geneva, dem- Illinois. No, <laughs> uh, clearly demonstrated a uh, a heart for God and for the lost. He trained and deployed evangelists and church planters. Yeah. So I just want to read a couple of things that Stark says here in, the, and we'll link to this in the show notes, but that Stark says here in this article, he says, by 1555, Calvin and his Geneva supporters had planted five churches in France. Four years later, they had planted 100 churches in France. By 1562, 
Calvin's Geneva, with the help of some of their sister cities, had planted more than 2,000 churches in wow. France. Calvin was the leading church planter in Europe. He led the way in every part of the process. He trained, assessed, sent, counseled, corresponded with, and prayed for the missionaries and church planters that he sent. Pete Wilcox, writing in a doctoral dissertation cited by James, concluded that in the last 10 years of Calvin's life, missions was his absolute preoccupation. So, yeah, we've, we, we've got an example, a model, really, yeah. in, in Calvin and in his church where you take seriously the call to make disciples, not just locally, but beyond the parameters of your local church to start other churches. Calvinism does not hinder church planting. Now, some Calvinists That's right. don't evangelize, um, and maybe they rely on a very bad understanding of yeah. doctrine to do that, but my assessment is, and I, I think Dr. Stetzer disagrees with me on this, uh, and he's certainly done more research, but in, in my experience, Calvinists are no less evangelistic than non-Calvinists. People are just woefully unevangelistic. Yes, and I would agree with you on that. That's, that's what I've come to see. But really, Reformed theology should, if it's properly understood, that's right. highly motivate evangelism. I mean, it, it, it shouldn't be a deterrent it should compel us to go and to tell exactly i mean if you look at just that the doctrine of total depravity you know we we have this understanding that we have no hope apart from christ right and we have no hope uh to find our way we have no hope of salvation right, right. in and of ourselves and that we 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 are in desperate need of something and so that should compel us that should compel us to share the love of to proclaim yeah. the love of Christ, to proclaim the gospel, the good news that we have with our fellow neighbors, right. knowing that they are dead in their sins as we once were. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, so they're, like, they can't come to God on their own. That's right. They need the gospel to be preached, the spirit to work through the preaching of the gospel to that's make the them That's a sovereign alive. work of God. Yeah. So because people are totally depraved, we know we've got to get out there and share the gospel. That's right. And some people say, well, what about the doctrine of election? Because the doctrine of election, mm -hmm. uh, okay, so people are totally depraved. God's chosen them, so it just doesn't matter. God's just going to save them. But that's not how God saves. God saves his elect through the preaching of his word. And uh, so that should give us confidence. I know that I can't fail. That's if right. If I just go out and I preach the gospel, and if I'm, if I'm clear, I preach it, God will do the work of conversion. God right. will do the work of conviction and drawing and rebirth. I, I just get to watch God go to work in like Acts 13. I don't have the reference from it. It's like Acts 13, 43 or something like that. Uh, they're preaching the gospel and afterwards people were believing and it says as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. Mm -hmm. So like that's what we see happening. That doctrine makes me go, God's got an elect all over this world. I'm going to preach and see what he does. Yeah. It doesn't hurt us. What about, um, what about the doctrine of, uh, of limited atonement? Like that's, uh, you know, Christ's death for, um, for the elect. Uh, some, uh, cause like, you know, I've heard people say, well, I can't, I mean, how do you preach the gospel if you're a Calvinist who believes in limited atonement or particular redemption, meaning yeah. that Jesus Christ only died for the elect to actually secure their salvation? Yeah. Because they're, they're, they're used to saying things like, hey, when I evangelize, I go out and I say, hey, man, Jesus died for you. You should believe in him. If I can't say Jesus died for you, well, then how am I supposed to, to get to it? What, well, the, here's the thing it? is because you don't, you don't know, right? We don't know who the elect are. And so, like you mentioned, we're going to proclaim it to everyone. We're going to share with everyone, because we know that Jesus has purchased people from every tribe, right. tongue, 
and nation. Yeah. And ultimately, we know that in God's sovereignty and God's sovereign plan, he has sent you to where you are at right. to proclaim his gospel to to the, the to the to the nations, yeah. to the community, to your neighbors, right. to those around you, to your family. Yeah. He has placed you where you are at to do the work of evangelism. I would say in that in your sphere. Yeah. And your and and Christ's death being particular in nature in terms of its scope. He died for the elect. It me it gives me confidence knowing that what Jesus did, he didn't attempt to do. Mm-hmm. He actually did it and not one drop of his blood was wasted. So I know that his blood will save. So I'm just going to get out there and preach. And it's like the doctrine of, of, of effectual calling, right, or irresistible yeah. grace. Um, that's another one of those doctrines that pushes us out of our studies. It pushes us off of the couch. It makes us go into our neighborhoods, even though I know that I can't change anybody's mind. Yeah. In fact, this is why I can preach the gospel. I can't change anybody's mind, and I'm going to fail. I'm going to screw up in my preaching of the gospel. It's not going to be... It's not going to be very good. Sometimes it's going to be confusing. Sometimes I'm going to say things wrong. And all of that doesn't determine the outcome of the sharing because God's grace will come to his elect and they will be converted. And so I I preach it inadequately oftentimes, but I'm I'm, I'm encouraged you because I know I can't screw this up. As long as I just get the word out there, God will do it. And isn't that freeing though? Yeah. I found that freeing when I finally, you know, understood. I, I should in a limited way or in a, in a very uh, uh, haphazard way. Right. This, uh, this, cause before that I had been, uh, cause I had been involved in this youth ministry up in Canada that whose mandate was to be reaching out to teens, the, the farthest out there. And I would sit there and I would agonize over, I have to be able to say this the right way. If I mess up, people aren't, these kids aren't going to know the gospel. Right. I got to have the perfect program. I got to have the perfect, uh, analogy. I got to have the perfect talk. Otherwise, I am failing. Yeah. And you're right. There's a there is this freedom in knowing it doesn't matter. Like I'm faithful. I'm being faithful to present the gospel, and that's the Spirit's work in someone's in in their heart and right. in their life. And ultimately, we're compelled with that. It's to God's glory alone yeah. that we are seeking to see Him magnified in in our lives, in their lives. And on the earth. Yeah, I think we're going to come back to that, too. I think we might be talking about motives to get out there and, and do that. Um, and well, let, let's just go ahead and talk about that. Like, okay. what, what should move us to preach the gospel? You know, because we've got these doctrines that motivate us, mm-hmm. right, in light of who people are. And, you know, when you read many of the great evangelists, their hearts are breaking for the lost. They really love their neighbors. And so they don't want their neighbors to yeah. perish. They don't want them to be under the judgment of God. And so that's one motivation. Yeah. That like I've, I I want to see people saved. I want to see people rescued by God's grace. But there are other motives and even a higher motive than that. You said it is the glory of God. That's right. We preach Christ crucified first because God is worth declaring. Yeah. God he is, is worth. The, he is the only one worth declaring. Right. And I mean, it's like I... We should want to tell people about God regardless of the outcome mm-hmm. because God is worth making known. He's worth knowing and he's worth making known. He is worthy. He alone, like you said, are, is worthy of this. And so if we love God, then we should want to make uh, the knowledge of God as, as known and as accessible as possible. That's what makes us good theologians so that we articulate ourselves and, and clear evangelists uh, and all of that. So yes, I think the highest motive for me 
is I, I want to see God's name lifted up. Yeah. And then secondarily, I want to see people that I know and love uh, and people that I maybe don't know that well yeah. come to know Christ. And that it, for me, it was like my family. That was the first thing. Like I want to see my, my parents come to know the Lord, my, my brothers and my sisters and all of this. And by God's grace, I've seen uh, my parents saved and um, you know, we've, we've got uh, you know, faith in the family, but you know, not, not all of my relatives have been converted, but that's, that's a secondary motive that's still very legitimate. So then how do you practice evangelism? Now you kind of, you talked about how early on, you know, so, and we've kind of mentioned that we we were gripped when we first came to know Christ, to share Christ uh, or to proclaim Christ. I don't want to offend Renahan. Um, how do you continue that practice of evangelism today? Well, you mean personally or like, let's start. Per, yeah. Let's start personally and then let's move into generally. Okay. So personally, for me, it is, I, I've, I've called it for a long time, just opportunistic evangelism. Mm. Uh, I'm not going door to door. I'm not heading out to the park to look for people. I'm not scouting. Um, but I don't really have time to go to the park and, and just kind of walk around. So in my daily life, um, I, I, I wait for the opportunities. They're there. And then by the grace of God, I take those opportunities. Sometimes I don't because I'm lazy or selfish or whatever. Yeah. But in uh, in my circles, uh, out in the um, out in the world, uh, the cigar shop we talk about this a lot. We spend time there, and we have a ton of gospel conversations there. You know, we uh, we meet new people, we continue dialogue with old friends, and we testify. the The opportunities are rich because when people come into a cigar shop, they're hanging out. That's right. They're not going anywhere for forty five minutes. To yeah, an you hour. got them. You got and, a captive audience, and 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 they're friends. Like they're ready to talk. They like yes. talking, in uh, in that context. And so that's where I do it. But then you know, in any of the relationships that I have with you know, with neighbors, uh, people at my kids' school, or wherever I am, those those relationships, those connections, it's kind of easy for me because I'm a pastor. It's easier because when I say oh, I'm a pastor, then they know. Like we might wind up talking about God here. Exactly. It's, it's like it, so. Pastors have it easiest, and this is what bothers me about a lot of pastors is you know pastors are told to do the work of an evangelist, right? Yeah. So, Second um, Timothy four five. Uh, As for you, always be sober minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist. Now, I think a lot of pastors rightly think, well, um, I am. I am uh, doing the work of an evangelist in the pulpit, and that's that's true. Yeah, and that is you know perhaps our our primary ministry, uh, but that's that's not enough. And I think doing the work of an evangelist includes uh, our our conversations and our declarations outside of the assembly. And I, I see that in scripture. And so I, it troubles me when I know about pastors who do not know non-Christians. If you don't yes. know, non, you don't have friendships and relationships with non-Christians. Right. I, I have a hard time reconciling that with you know, what I see in scripture and what I think we need to be doing, especially if we're supposed to set the pace for the rest of the congregation in exactly. terms of evangelism. You should have people that you're regularly talking to, that you're regularly praying for, that you are you know, inviting to church, that you're telling them about Christ, you're... You're um, you're bringing them into your home. Uh, like that should be a normal thing for us. Absolutely, and I and I think um, now we talked about you know per- personally how we've done it. So generally, then how do we help? How do how can church leaders help promote a culture? Yeah, that's a 
I mean, that's a wider question. I know we yeah. can't, we're not going to be able to get into everything on that. But, you know, one or two, I think you've, you've already hit on one, model it. Yeah. Model it in your life and in your relationships with those around you. I think preachers would do well, pastors would do well to, um, to share examples of when they get the opportunity yeah. to tell others about Christ because it not, it definitely not to make yourself look good, but so that they see, like, this is a normal thing. Yeah. This is something that we do. Even better when you can share examples of what other people have done. Yeah. And then, you know, even better, find an opportunity for those members to testify in the church, say, here's, here's an opportunity that I got to share the gospel. That's awesome. Especially if you traditional churches are running like Sunday night churches, Sunday night services, that's a great opportunity yeah. for you to um, like get as many testimonies in there as possible. Uh, so I think that's it. I think training is good. We've done training in the past. We have to do that again. Um, and we probably should do that regularly uh, for people because they just, they, sometimes they don't know where to start. Yeah. Like how do, that's one of the reasons, going back to the beginning, why don't people, they don't know where to start because yeah. they haven't been trained. Yeah. How do you, how do you quote unquote lead into it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, people like, like Tom and some of our church planters, they're just, they just go right in. Right. Yeah. yeah you think, know, Jesus, <laughs> you know, yeah, they're, still, they're like, what do you think about Jesus? What do you think about Jesus that he died for you and he loves you? Uh, tell me about your sin. You know? <laughs> Do you recognize how depraved you are? You better recognize. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think Mark Dever's uh, outline for evangelism is God, man, sin, God, sin, Christ, response, something like that. Okay. So, it, 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 and I'm, I'm just trying to recall from his books. But in other words, you know, you want to try to clarify this is who God is. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about um, who we are in our sin how Christ was sent to take care of sin and to provide salvation and how we're supposed to respond. You know, Charles Spurgeon has the three R's, right? You talk about ruin, redemption, and regeneration. You, um, there are different ways to kind of outline it, but the bottom line is, is you have to be familiar with the gospel. Yeah. And I think if you're familiar with the gospel, if you understand who God is and who we are, and who the world is outside of Christ, uh, and who Christ is, then you know. You know what to share. It doesn't have to be neat and clean. It doesn't have to be... Uh, anything highly developed. In fact, I discourage people from using the evangelist script. I don't mm. like it. I, I think, you know, coming up with those diagnostic questions that you apply to everybody, if you were to die tonight and stood before God and God asked you, they're already tuned out, by the way, but yeah, exactly. and God asked you, what would you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? <laughs> what would you say? And then it's like, okay, well, that's just, they don't eat, they're not even thinking in those categories. Post-Christian. Or gospel tracks. Don't they're do just not, you know, there are good gospel tracts. There are good resources to give out that are helpful, that actually kind of lay it out. I know you're shaking your head no, but you haven't read them. Yeah, I haven't read them. Uh, I've so, not found a good one. Yeah, there Nor are, have I been looking lately. Yeah, well, there are, there are some really good tracts. Two Ways to Live is a, is a good track, for example. Um, none of them are perfect. But, I mean, the perfect thing is probably to uh, give a book. And a book I could think of is Note to Self. You're so uh, funny. That's, wait, You're so <laughs> come funny. on, I'm trying. <laughs> so I, th- I think leaders can teach it. They can model it. Yes. Um, but they really, I would say, um, you know, point people, point out people who are doing it in the church. Yes. I mean, that's just really good. And, and that's not to beat people up or to, no, to try no. to, you know, be condemning of those that are not doing it. it but it's meant to encourage. And we and, should be rejoicing together with them. And listen, you are not all professional or called evangelists. We are called to preach the gospel, to, sh- to testify. Uh, that is our responsibility as Christians. Yeah. But you are not a missionary that is you know, called to do this at this level you know, as if it were a vocation. So you can be okay. You can be content being 
God's man, God's woman, where you are, and you can glorify God in your home, in your cubicle, in your truck, as you're doing your work. But when the opportunities are there, we are responsible um, to actually take them. And yeah. you know, a lot of people talk about, well, you know, we can just, you should just share your testimony. You know, share your testimony yeah. how you came to Christ. And here, and I, I want to say yes and no to that because your testimony, like God saved me, here's my life experience, my life change, really quickly becomes about me yes. and my experience, which is no different than a Scientologist sharing their experience of transformation yeah. or a Mormon or anyone else. Now, of course, the difference is the truth of the gospel, but in many testimonies, we don't really get there. I was really, really bad. And they, they highlight how bad yeah, they how, were. Yeah, it's always like the worst I'm thing so, ever. So I, was the, I was the most terrible. I killed people. Oh, yeah, uh, well, many. And then... Uh, and then, like, look how different I am now. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not really the gospel. The gospel You're focusing is, on you on that. One. Right. And it's, it's appropriate to share your testimony. Yeah. It is. But you've got to make sure that you are really driving this toward Christ, towards the gospel, yes. uh, towards, you know, that you know, God loves sinners who are worthy of his condemnation. That's, that's really one of my concerns as we're, as we're beginning to share and encourage our people to share. So what are some of your uh, favorite resources or any books on evangelism? Uh, the Art of Man Fishing by Thomas Boston. Yes, I remember you recommended that. Loved it. That's a great little book. It's a little one, and uh, it's it's really really good. Of course, uh, most Reformed guys are going to point out Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God yeah. by J.I. Packer. Um, Mark Dever's written some helpful books on evangelism. At least one. Uh, Jerem Bars has some good books on evangelism. Um, yeah, those are some of the ones that are coming to my mind. What about you? Yeah, I think I would echo those. I'll I'll echo those. I'll echo your echo. It doesn't have to be at books. I mean, there are, you could do like um, videos, training, any other resources. Yeah, there's plenty of those. Um, I think for me, one of the things I would suggest is uh, something that's good and practical is uh, Saturate by Jeff Vanderstelt. Uh, Sa- I haven't seen this. What is that? Saturate? Yeah. You haven't read it? No. Oh, okay. It's by Jeff Vanderstelt. Um He's out of was it Soma Soma, yeah. Soma over in uh, Washington. But he was local for a long time. Yeah, he was local here uh, in St. Charles. Actually, uh, I came to faith by Jeff. How do you uh, you know what I mean? God used Jeff. Jeff saved you. Is that what no, you're no, saying? No, 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 no. God used Jeff. Uh, Jeff shared the gospel with me. I, I began attending his youth group here in town, uh, and he would meet with me. We'd have coffee. We'd have discussions. He walked. How, how old were you at the time? Fifteen. Okay. 16 i just began driving um and so jeff would uh would talk with me and he would share the gospel with me he got you encouraged me to get plugged into a bible study um and yeah i mean jeff actually you know what what people might not well no they won't know is when we were looking to move back here Mm. you know i talked with jeff and i said hey man you know i'm looking for a church i don't want to go back to this other church um what, what are you thinking? You know, do you know of any churches? I've, I've heard of this one. Uh, and he goes, Hey, uh, what I know of you and what I like, what I know of Joe, this is a good fit. You guys would do well together. Boy, was he wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. You <laughs> don messed up, Jeff. But no, his book, Saturate, I mean, it's great. It's, it's very much about that. relational evangelism. Okay. Very much, you know, he talks about missional communities. That's kind of really what right. they are. But it's really life, you know, I hate using this term, life on life. Yeah. Actually sharing and walking alongside someone. Uh, and, and it's not about these big, big, you know, 
evangelistic crusades. It's about who, who has God brought into my life or whose life has God brought me into right. to share the gospel with. Yeah, that's good, man. I'm definitely going to check that out. I, I, have not, I have not read that. I feel bad. Um, another uh, resource that I think would be encouraging to you, and we did, uh, we did some a premium content mm. uh, interview, three sessions with Dr. Ed Stetzer mm-hmm. uh, called Doctrine, Devotion, and Evangelism. You can purchase that in our store. And what's interesting about that, it, Ed is not a Reformed Baptist guy. That's right. Uh, he, is, he has a ministry that's very, very broad across all denominations, uh, but Ed and but Ed has a Calvinistic soteriology. He really does. Yeah. Um, in fact, his first church plant was a 1689 church. They that was their. Are we confession. okay saying that? Oh, we did say it. Okay. I'm I'm sorry, I, I remember care. having that conversation. I don't care. And actually asking the question, can we? I don't care. All right. All he right. could have said, "Don't share it. I'm sharing it." What's up? <laughs> now, no so, one's going to want to be interviewed by us because he's. They're going to say, "Hey, please don't share this." And we're going to. Oh, if they it said, "Don't share it," I might not. I don't remember him actually saying no. No, he didn't. So, um, but but Ed, you know, he has a Calvinist soteriology, uh, but he also has hard words for Calvinists. And in, in reality, he has hard words for, for every denomination wherever they're weak. And so what was interesting in interviewing Ed is, you know, we talked about, you know, these all these different topics, and Ed has a great breadth of knowledge on statistics, yeah. movements, uh, numbers, denominations, and he, he's, he's helpful in clarifying where we are going wrong or what might be missing and how to get back on track. I mean, he is, uh, you know, he's the chair of evangelism, Billy Graham chair. It's like some long title. It's a really long, I'm not going to I'm not going to try and I'm do it. it. But he's at, he's at Wheaton College, a distinguished chair yeah. dude at the Billy Graham School. Um, he was the, the head of Lifeway Research. So yeah. he's, got, he's got credentials and he's got the ability to speak into this. So that is also... A really good, um, a really good option. But what I would say, big picture, is make sure that you are stirring yourself up with the glory of God and the gospel of grace through the reading of Scripture, through the praying over Scripture. Mm-hmm. That I think is what really moves us to to testify. So actually, I want to move now into we got mailbag, okay, and we got this uh, message from Steve. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Portillo's. Steve, just call him Portillo. All right. Steve Portillo's. That's it. Uh, and he says this. Uh, Hello. I want to share that I enjoyed the Ed Stetzer series on evangelism. See? <laughs> <laughs> he is our interim teaching pastor at Moody Church. I think one of the reasons why people have difficulty evangelizing is they may not know what to do after someone is converted. Is the average layman equipped to disciple them? Does the layman transition them to the, quote, knowing your faith, end quote, class for new, for new Christians? Uh, not every church has an evangelism plan, as Ed discussed. Uh, thanks for the email, Portillo. Yep. That is a good one. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, the, this is where our denomination, mm-hmm. and not just our denomination, the Southern Baptist Convention, but a lot of, a lot of evangelism has failed, is we've gone out, we've sought to make converts, um, maybe we see converts or maybe they're false converts, whatever, but then they don't get plugged into a local church. That's right. The bottom line is, uh, we got to get everybody plugged into local churches because that's where discipleship really happens. You may be equipped to disciple somebody. And I think we would say that most Christians are, are equipped to disciple somebody on some level, but really what they need is they need instruction from the pulpit. They need the communion of the saints, not just a, a relationship with one Christian buddy that they get together once a week over you know, donuts and coffee. Yeah, yeah. So I would say 
get them to the local church. Yes. And you don't have to, if you don't have a class, no, that's all right. Uh, we don't have an evangelism yeah. training class right now. But hold on, sorry, not just the local church. I would also say get into community within that. Yeah, well, the, for so us, so that's it's not a given. just so. Yeah, it's not just the Sunday morning, right? But the midweek stuff that's going on. Yeah, you. I mean, to to be a part of the local church doesn't mean you show up on Sunday. That's where it's going to start for most people. But you want to have gospel relationships. That's right. You want to be deeply involved because that's where a lot of real practical um, relationships, mm-hmm. where truth gets. Um, a, a, unpacked and applied in ways that might not from the pulpit so yeah totally totally agree with that oh i got a recommendation oh go for it i keep forgetting to say this so i was converted in 1990 by 1995 i believe it was i was giving i was given a stack of these theological journals called founders journals and these were of the publication of founders ministries founders.org and it was, a, it was a group of Reformed Southern Baptists who would look back and highlight the Reformed theology of the past mm-hmm. and, uh, and write and articulate current stuff and address current issues. And I loved those journals. They were really good. They weren't too big. And uh, it was a big help. And then they got a website, and the website was pretty good. Um, and now they're offering classes. They got all this stuff. Founders.org is great, but they've just relaunched the website. And yeah. it looks good. It's very functional. Um, I absolutely love it. You can read all of their journals for free online. Awesome. I mean, you can just you have access to everything. And these are these are written by sharp dudes. So you know everybody from Tom Askell and Tom Nettles uh, to to other Toms uh, in the Christian world. But uh, think um, you know Sam Waldron and guys like that. Like really, really good stuff. So if you're looking for and they deal with evangelism. So if you're looking for some good resources, check out founders.org. Awesome. Big thanks to Justin Bond of J Bond Media, the audiovisual wizard of Doctrine and Devotion. If you've got any audio, visual, or photo needs, hit up uh, Justin Bond at jbondmedia.com and he will get you hooked up. You can also leave a review at iTunes. Uh, you can leave us an honest five star review there or any other podcast platform that you are using. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Doc and Devo and Facebook slash Doctrine and Devotion. And you know what? You can head on over to our website doctrinedevotion.com and you can go ahead and click on the contact us page where you can fill out the form leave us your comments your ideas your suggestions or give us some feedback you know if there's anything that maybe you felt we said that was off base or yeah. maybe something that resonated well let us know yeah sure uh, also if there's things that we could be praying for we i definitely appreciate when we receive those from you guys and know that we do pray for yep. you um and we're very thankful for your support uh and your friendship yeah definitely and of course they can tell a friend that's right? it. Oh, you know why? Why? Sharing is caring. Yeah, you say that all the time. Yeah, well, I want Renahan. Oh, should I be saying proclaiming is caring? No, it'd have to rhyme. Like, you got to put more, like, stank on it. It's got, they got it. Sharing is caring because, like, people don't care. So, like, oh, you got to make them care. Like, you can say, tell it well or you'll go to hell. Something like that. Oh, like my that. God. Then, <laughs> <laughs> something, something that makes them go, like, I better get out there and do it. I like, better get out there. Like, so, like, yeah. works, works righteousness. Works yeah. based So, there you guys go. You know, uh, if you don't tell, you're going to hell. There you go. I like that. All right. So um, so don't go to hell. Tell your friends about uh, the podcast. And, uh, so we, we, what's wrong? That is so horrible. Oh, they know. If they can't figure it out, they're listening to the wrong podcast. <laughs> so, uh, man, we got Fresh Pod coming out every Monday and Thursday. And the next one coming up Thursday, my interview, all the way on the other side of the world, 
with Dr. James freaking White. Bam. It's going to be good. Check it out. Later. Later.